If you're buried alive, do you die alive? What makes sweet potatoes sweeter than regular potatoes? Is it something paranormal? All these questions you can find the answer to on This Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life. Yo! The comedy paranormal podcast where every week we investigate a brand new tale, claim, case, beast, and come to a conclusion within the around about an hour <laughs> as to whether or not it is in fact paranormal or garbage. Except for last time when it was it was actually across two full weeks. Yeah. And the paranormal beast was the garbage man of <laughs> Athelhampton. <laughs> he was both paranormal and garbage. Of course. Uh, that was a confusing case from start to finish. This week, we got something a little bit more simple. Oh, it's such a big case, that we, and we got a lot to get through, that I think we should just get straight into it. Fine. Let's dive right in. One cold September night, a small town in West Virginia was rocked by an event that would not only change the history of the world, but would require the attention of the police, the government, and Project Blue Book. <laughs> Christ, man, this is zero to a hundred. <laughs> the shit. triple threat. You just said this affected the world? Oh, yeah. No one was the same after this incident. Even us? Not even us. Wow. The date is September 12th, 1952. The sleepy town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, was winding down its day, stores closing, people heading home from work, and 11-year-old Freddie May, his brother Edward, and their friend Tommy Heyer were playing in the yard of their local school. It was 7.15. The streetlights weren't on yet, so the kids were salvaging what little playtime they had left. When all of a sudden, Freddie hears his friend cry out, Look! In the sky! The gang turn around to catch a glimpse of what looked like a large red glowing object tearing through the night sky Jesus. down towards a nearby mountaintop, leaving a trail of fire behind it. One of the boys cried out, It's... It's a flying saucer! They said this is Virginia. Yeah, and that's why I nailed the Virginian accent. I don't know about that. Nothing unusual so far. We got a bunch of kids yeah. witnessing an object flying through the sky towards the earth. Okay. There's nothing too strange about that. You know, kids, we've already talked about it before, they're in tune with the world of the paranormal. Some people say that kids can see ghosts. Yeah, well, they're not goddamn working like they're parents so i guess they have a lot of time to look around exactly for michael the salary man nine to five mm -hmm. he's he doesn't have time to look out for ghosts even if one slapped him across the face he's probably head down on his iphone checking his work email <laughs> he's too busy running from his demons to even catch a glimpse so busy running from my demons i don't see my ghosts <laughs> whereas you know little billy and timmy playing with their play-doh and blocks yeah they're playing hopscotch with ghosts they're doing skip rope with demons yeah these kids that we're talking about today are young but they're not stupid they run home to freddie and edward's mother's house to tell her exactly what they saw kathleen may was reluctant to believe the boy's story but decided to go with them if even to simply shut them up however it was getting late now so kathleen requested the help of their neighbor eugene lemon who was a National Guardsman. So now you got, mm. you actually got a little gang here. It's pretty cool, yeah. Good it's, little unit. It's pretty good. Eugene also brings his dog. Wow. Because, I mean, if the kids aren't getting some of the paranormal spectrum, the dogs tune into that sixth sense. Oh, yeah, because when the kids are too busy playing with their blocks and their Play-Doh, the dog's got nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> he has, at most, a bone... He probably got a bone six months ago that he stashed in a bush. That's all. That's his life's purpose. Yeah, at 6.45, he has to lick his own ass. But until then, he's he's open to the world of the paranormal, guys. I like to think that uh, in the case of a UFO, that they can use that sixth sense to speak directly to the dog. And UFOs are like, Rufus, we know you can hear us. Kill the humans. Kill all of them. But they called during 6.45 where he's licking his own butt. He didn't, he didn't hear a word. Rufus, I, we, we know you can hear us. Why are you doing that? Listen to us. This is much more important. Rufus, we will give you bones. The object that the boys had talked about had soared over towards a nearby farm. So the gang set out in the darkness, led by the boys who saw where it had landed. 
The group approached the area where they believed the object had landed, but didn't see any signs of a crash. Which is a little bit weird, because if you see essentially a fireball crash into the middle of a forest, mm -hmm. there's going to be some evidence that it happened. A hundred percent. It's like dropping a pig into a field <laughs> of sharks. There's going to be sure. blood everywhere. I guess. If you can think of a more, a better analogy than that. I mean, well, I think we've probably talked about it before. It's but like dropping a pig into a field I mean, I of lions. Fine. Folks. I was going to say something a little more scientific, but if you insist. I just wanted to point out that whenever, uh, whenever asteroid impacts have happened on Earth, something that's surprising is that it actually takes a pretty small object to have a pretty devastating blast of course. radius. Um, right. So we're not talking about a full-on pig here, folks. A the world's tiniest little piglet. I mean, sure, I'm pretty sure wanna... it, it killed the the dinosaurs okay i was gonna say like a grain of sand or something but if sure. you are, insist on the pig then that's really small really a grain of sand you really Jesus. a grain of piglet <laughs> what is that like a hundred piglets <laughs> a single rasher <laughs> uh what so it with well, the impact of a grain of rice sorry <laughs> you i interrupted <laughs> you uh, apparently shooting stars are items like the size of like a grain of sand entering the atmosphere and burning up and that causes something to actually streak across the sky and burn up. Whereas something probably the size of, I don't know, a football hitting the ground. Pigskin. That's what they call a football. All right. You're not wrong. So they push forward deeper into the woods. Kathleen is probably like, all right, boys, you've had your fun. Let's let Eugene enjoy the rest of his evening in peace. Eugene's like, no, we're going to find these sons of bitches. <laughs> He's more into it than the kids. You see, the further they pushed into the woods, the hazier it became. The group started to notice a strange sulfur-like odor in the air. Ooh. So bad that the kids began to feel ill. Damn. Then, without warning, Eugene's dog began barking wildly into the darkness before running forward into the mist. Eugene and the others ran after the dog, afraid it would get lost by itself. Well, they found the dog, frozen on the spot by a wooden fence, refusing to go any further. Kathleen wanted to head back, but the kids insisted they kept going. And obviously, Eugene did as well. He's borderline obsessed at this point. The kids have a lot of authority in this family, it seems like. Kathleen has gone with everything they've, they've wanted at this point. Yeah, I think she probably brought Eugene along to help explain to the kids that nothing paranormal is happening. Fortunately, Eugene appear appears to be far more interested in this case than the children. Sure. He's borderline holding them all at gunpoint now, <laughs> marching them forward into the darkness. I won't let it get away. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we brought the kids, Kathleen, as bait. As they pushed through the forest, the smell became almost unbearable. It was like breathing in toxic fumes. Eugene paused and signaled for the group to stop. Up ahead in the darkness was a faint pulsing red light. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. Were the boys right? Had an airplane or a satellite crashed into the woods? Eugene heard a shuffling noise in the forest in front of him and slowly raised his flashlight to see what it was. But he had no idea what he was about to see. In front of them was a 10-foot creature with a blood-red face and a green body that seemed to glow in the night. Jesus. The startled creature raised its claw-like hands and began hissing and hovering towards the group. Hovering? Hovering. Oh my Christ. <laughs> this motherfucker's airborne. Jesus. Eugene screamed, ah! dropping his flashlight in the commotion as the group took off running into the forest. What this group had just seen, Kit, would soon be known as the famous Flatwoods Monster. Oh, Jesus. My God. Bet you didn't expect the Flatwoods Monster in Flatwoods, Virginia, did you? A little <laughs> Shyamalan twist for you. <laughs> well, I hadn't heard of the Flatwoods Monsters. So I wasn't expecting much, but oh, okay. the name checks out. It makes sense. Thoughts? I mean, Christ. I was initially intrigued by this, this smell of sulfur because I don't know a lot about sulfur. I know it's present in two places, to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Volcanoes. Right. And hell. Of course. In the Bible. 
yeah. lots of Which sulfur. Are very similar things. Oh, and Iceland, I think. I think Iceland smell apparently iceland smells terrible people have gone on holiday tell me that that yeah apparently it's like because it's very volcanic it smells bad in a lot of places oh okay but if this area isn't normally volcanic or something then sulfur is definitely out of the ordinary yeah which only leaves one possibility this is satan himself (laughs) they saw the devil Of course he can hover. He's an angel. He crashed his, angel. He crashed his demon sleigh straight into the mountains. <laughs> With a sack full of <laughs> demons in the back. Well, look, there's a bunch of people who are going to be very excited that we are finally tackling the Flatwoods monster. Because we've been emailed this very case by Danilo Enriquez, Luke Hauser, Santino Lala, Sophie V. All of them requested that we investigate this case damn it's a good thing Roy picked up on this because i ain't read those emails i think i had probably looked at this case and dismissed it a number of times sure but i came back to it again and my god i'm so glad that i stuck this one through this time i'm so glad that like eugene i held those children at gunpoint and pushed forward <laughs> into the woods to discover this beast you know that this paranormal life office is a lot like an underfunded uh, rural police station. It really is. We've got just cabinets upon cabinets of overflowing case files. Cases that people are absolutely on their hands and knees begging for us to investigate further. And we're like, sorry, ma'am, the resources aren't there. Exactly. There's only two of us. And then 20 years later, new evidence comes to light and we reopen the old cases. Yeah, it's very true. You know, there's only so much, only so many cases that two men can tackle at once. Well, this creature that we're talking about today, as you heard from the description, finally, we're talking about a cryptid, possibly an alien that doesn't fit inside our typical box of alien gray. Sure. You know, we've talked about on the podcast before about how disappointed we are when the description always comes down to big head, bug eyes, little gray body. It's true. Classic gray uh, description. Today, we're dealing with something completely different. I've never seen or heard of a creature like this before. Yeah, let's run down that list again. I easily can. We're talking about possibly up to 10 foot tall. Jesus. Blood red face. Okay. With a very dark green body that seems to glow in the night. That immediately, it's like some sort of Christmas tree uh, themed (laughs) cryptid. It, it, It... does have a very Christmas tree kind of shape to it. <laughs> also, also glowing. But yeah, like blood red head and then green body is yeah. not what you would expect. Covered in like little lights with an <laughs> angel at the top. His, his shoes were shaped like presents. Did I say <laughs> sulfur? I meant they smelt cinnamon. <laughs> delicious, delicious Christmas cake. Uh, but he's got, he's got um, apparently little claws oh okay so that's that's where it it diverges from the typical sort of santa claus situation to help the conundrum of having to describe this beast i actually have an artist's illustration of what they saw that night based on the descriptions of the witnesses i would love to see that check this out holy shit so this is a lot different than i was even trying to deduce from what rory just described so i'm really getting the picture of this thing being i mean this thing is at least 10 foot tall like the creature depicted in this image could be up to 15 feet tall it's because there's a human next to him for reference yeah uh i guess he is hovering a few feet off the ground but it's massive truly massive it almost reminds me of like a ancient egyptian uh statue or something right uh almost you know like imagine like the sphinx with its like claws and stuff is that like almost size yeah i've never seen a cryptid like that or a paranormal creature like that. I was hoping that you might recognize it from another source. Because Ooh. this very creature, the Flatwoods Monster, was actually um, one of the stories that inspired the aliens that invade in Majora's Mask, the Zelda game. Whoa. If you've played The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, which is a great game, I recommend it. My favorite. Th- there is a... Um, a mission where aliens come down and try and basically attack a farmhouse and i don't have a side by side right now but they look almost identical to the picture of the flatwoods monster can i try and bring it up 100 percent. yeah me, take me 10 seconds because i'm very curious now it's like it's the flatwoods monster 
It's hundreds of attacking cows. But it's cool. I searched and it's like, I don't know if it was directly confirmed. But when you see it, it's like, yeah, they just put it in the game. Yo, I just Googled the uh, alien from Majora's Mask from the Zelda game. And my God. Yeah, this is... This is identical. This yeah. is absolutely based on the Flatwoods monster. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a very unique character design. If if they hadn't taken it from the Flatwoods monster. Yeah, one of the um, one of the descriptions of the creature did say that its head, its eyes illuminated the forest like headlights, which, as you can see, is the same in the the aliens in Majora's Mask. I think the scariest thing about this creature, though, is the fact that you know if this was an alien gray. We know how to deal with those. You right. know, you sucker punch that bad boy in the nose. He's, he's so top heavy. He's probably going to fall over. He'll be like a turtle. He can't get up. <laughs> of course. We know how to deal with them. They have like spindly limbs. Of course. Yeah, they're, they're very top heavy. They snap like twigs. And, and even if there's something more complicated going on, it's like that movie where they just throw water on them or something. Yeah, that burns them. Yeah. Or oxygen killed them in the end. Yeah. Or the Earth's germs. Whereas these guys, this is a this is a half alien, half ghost. It's wearing a skirt, for Christ's sake, <laughs> in the bottom half. If you tried to punch that skirt, your fist could go straight through it. Into a different dimension yeah, for all we know. And turn your arm into just cobwebs. We don't know what happens when you when you try and attack this thing. I mean, in Majora's Mask, granted, fire off a couple fire arrows, maybe a couple bombs. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> in the real world, I don't have that kind of arsenal. And neither does Eugene. <laughs> he's, a, he's a chihuahua. He's looking for this thing's Achilles heel, but it doesn't have legs. It's floating, it, for Christ's it sake. It hovers. We've dealt with a lot of cryptids in the past, but I think this is our first time dealing with some sort of alien cryptid mix right now there's a lot of reasons why this story has become so famous so let's continue the story to find out why after seeing the creature the gang dashed back to town as fast as they could immediately running to the sheriff to tell him what they saw even if he didn't believe them after a brief wait the sheriff called him into his office come on in folks sorry to keep you waiting out there the deputy and i were just out following up a report Apparently, we had some calls about a plane crash. <gasps> That's right. To the group's surprise, several other Flatwoods residents described seeing a flat aircraft with glowing red colors descend over the exact same area. The kids, this is when Kathleen's like, my dumbass kids aren't as dumb as I thought. Yeah. I mean, this is the dream because you, you thought you were going in there and you were going to have to tell them, I mean, for one... You have to get him on board with the UFO crash. Yeah, before you even start that there was a ghost demon in the woods. But if he already knows about the plane crash, you could be like, thank Christ. That's a great segue into what we're about to tell you right now. <laughs> Do you know what the pilot of the plane looked like? Was he <laughs> 10 foot with no legs? There were tons of sightings. In fact, from Pennsylvania to California, witnesses reported seeing strange objects in the skies. Really? Across the goddamn country? Oh, yeah. This, this was a huge thing. And this is all, I mean, this isn't hearsay or rumors or any of the other points in the golden pyramid of truth. Sure. There was actual reports of an airplane crash that night. The sheriff and deputy were out investigating those cases when the group Yo. arrived. Now, like all cases, the news of the monster spread fast, with local papers trying to get interviews with the group immediately. Kathleen May said that soon after the event, she was heavily interviewed by two men, originally claiming to work for a local paper, but who eventually disclosed they worked for the government. Oh, shit. Exactly. It turns out the U.S. Air Force had sent two plainclothes detectives to investigate the scene. Of course. And the discoveries made in the town would launch a full investigation by Project Blue Book. Now, Rory, uh, experienced paranormal investigators mm -hmm. such as myself uh, are all too familiar with the ins and outs of Project Blue Book. Of course. But, Moving know, on. But for no, well, I was just going to say for the people listening at home that may not be so familiar, uh, maybe you could just give a quick spark notes on what that means. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
I actually, I, I just wrote this under the assumption that everyone knew about the secret government operation Project Blue Chip book. So, and, and listen, everyone knows the government has books, many, many books of different varieties. Right. Everyone knows they probably have books that are blue lying around. Well, so. you should know that this is, I mean, it's called Project Blue Book, right. but that is more, it's more of like a code it was name. probably the first book that was made blue, entirely blue, not just like plain Absolutely paper not. color. That c- you couldn't be further away from it. I mean, one, why would that be paranormal? Right. Okay. And two, why would they dispatch a blue book to the scene of the crime? Okay, we'll just cut that bit from the podcast. So, so, so I guess the plainclothes detectives probably yes. went to interview Kathleen. Yeah. And wrote their notes into yeah. a blue book. No, God, no. Right. You're back on the book again. Yeah. There's no, there's no book involved. Well, you keep mentioning a blue. Well, there book might be a book. So. I don't know. There probably was a book yeah, involved. Pr- probably, in the if they called. But it I don't blue know book. what. I, I could been. It could have been any color. Man, could have been any color. It's probably black. That's the most secret color of all time. Shit, maybe the blue was like a there, there was no blue. There was no... I don't wow, even think there was a that's book. A, that's a real conspiracy <laughs> right there. The, 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 Project Blue Book. No, don't get flustered. <laughs> Project Blue. You're, you're getting me You're getting me hot, all right? Look, here. I'll just... I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up on Wikipedia real quick to shut your ass up, all right? It was a secret government operation that was based around the creation and dispatch of a large blue... P- oh, you son of a bitch. All right, so there was, was a, a book. In, blue book. It was yeah. a big, giant blue book. I didn't read the Wikipedia page. I didn't know that it was actually just a large book. They found it on the f- moon. <laughs> Next to the Project Red Pencil. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, Project Blue Book, if you didn't know already, was a... Uh, I believe it was a secret government project, which was basically one of the early um, teams assembled to investigate uh, UFOs and alien encounters, that sort of thing, which they denied for years, ever existed, and then later admitted that it existed all the whole time, and they were just lying. But yeah, the discoveries that these two detectives made on the scene brought Project Blue Book along for the ride. The Flatwoods Monster case, this occurred on September 12, 1952. This whole thing happened at dusk, and there were a number of young people going off into the woods and saw some kind of fiery, glowing object that descended or came down. Two of the boys, Ed and Freddie, grabbed their mother, whose name was Kathleen May, and she came back with the group to see this thing, what they describe as a creature. It's very tall. It's uh, got eyes that are glowing red, and it scares them. Project Blue Book, still in the early years, and it was reported to the Air Force because there was something in the sky. Investigators who went there after the sighting stated that there was an unusual smell or odor in that area. And it was said that the trees in the area were singed at the top There were investigators who said that branches actually were broken. Now that's very interesting, that branches were broken by something that evidently came down. This is one of the instances in which Project Blue Book was genuinely actively doing serious investigations at that time. I do recall seeing the May family sketches. They weren't extremely detailed, but they were um, similar. The family members all do the same thing, which was interesting. The official explanation was that it was a combination of a bright meteor and um, a delusion, uh, psychological. So that clip was from Project Blue Book Declassified from the History Channel, who did an entire episode on the Flatwoods Monster. Kit, I've been bombarding you with truth bullets for the better part of 30 minutes now. I'm filled full of holes. You're riddled. What's going on here? Uh, That was pretty fascinating in the little clip we listened to there that whenever you have a bunch of witnesses all corroborating evidence, sometimes they try and drill down exactly what people saw by getting them to separately draw what they saw or interview them separately about it. I don't know exactly how they went through that on the Flatwoods incident, but... Uh, definitely on the face of it, it seems really interesting that they all broadly describe the same thing to try and be cynical about it and think, did these people, did these witnesses, the kids and the two adults, you know, try to bullshit these interviewers and all decide on the look of this 
beast. It wouldn't be an obvious description to give of any kind of UFO. Yeah. Um, like we say before, whenever in incidents like this, people see traditional looking greys, traditional looking aliens. It's always a bit of a downer because it's like, you know, we need something a little bit original to latch onto that makes it seem a bit more real. But in this case, this is something so wildly original that it definitely makes me believe it a bit more. It, it is crazy how original the description of this creature is i mean it basically matches nothing like we've seen before for better or for worse yeah you know because it seems like his head is constantly on fire he has laser eyes a really nice skirt claw hands yeah it seems like in one universe this is something that completely exists because why would you describe it any other way Mm -hmm. in another universe this was drawn by a child and it's their imaginary friend that's how bizarre looking this thing is. Which they mentioned in the video. They said it's not exactly very uh, precise, a description, but it is consistent. And there is something kind of cool about the design of this creature in their drawings. It does look like something you would find just, yeah, in a sci-fi movie or on a poster. Or um, it's just very specifically proportioned and described. Yeah. It's almost silly looking. Yeah. Like like old school Star Trek aliens or something. Which is, I guess, why they figured it was perfect for Majora's Mask, which is a pretty cartoony game. For sure. Um, And these things just chase your character Link around with laser beam eyes. Yeah. Um, It looks exactly like it could do that. Despite their differences, believers and scientists both agree on one thing. There was something in the sky that night. A staff member of the Maryland Academy of Sciences confirmed that a meteor had been spotted in Baltimore before the UFO was seen in Flatwoods. It was also reported by observers in Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Okay, so they tracked this thing's trajectory. It hit one location first, then it hit Flatwoods. Yeah. Got it. Now, again, this is just someone's statement about what it was perceived as being. Yep. I don't know if these scientists were you know, wearing Agent Smith glasses and a black suit. I don't know if they were on the side of truth and justice, like us. Because we know that they're already lying and pretending to be uh, from the press. Exactly. So maybe they're lying their way through med school, getting some biomed degrees, getting some uh, astrophysics degrees, and then lying about this too. Anything is possible. For all I know, Eugene's a narc. Kathleen's a narc. The kids are little narcs. Don't get me started on the dog again. <laughs> little bark narc. So we're left with two possible options, Kit. Option one. Something did crash in the woods that night, and the May family and their group possibly saw an alien creature. Or the other explanation. The bright light in the night sky was a meteor. The pulsing red light was an aircraft navigation beacon, and the creature described by witnesses was an owl. <laughs> that's their explanation? That's the that's the explanation. A what it ten was. foot float... Well, owls do float, to be they, fair. Yeah, but and they have little claws. They, granted... And you shine a light in their eyes, eyes, and it kind of illuminates it. But ten foot. <laughs> sure, that's a pretty... It's hard to move past that point. Okay, so that's where they got the owl thing from. Yeah. Uh, and owls do have big round heads, I guess. But folks, I don't need to—I don't need to do a side by side to tell you this thing isn't an owl. You show me an owl wearing a little skirt with its head on fire, and maybe I'll believe you. Yeah. What is? I'm just gonna Google this really quick. What's the biggest owl? <laughs> it's just a a picture of an owl, like Power Rangers style, taking down skyscrapers. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, so according to Google, the biggest owl is the Blackiston's fish owl. It's and it fishes for humans. <laughs> fishes for new home planets. <laughs> it is the, the size of a small child. Hmm. It has the wingspan of up to two meters. Not bad. Uh, two meters is like six foot. Yeah. So it's not ten. It's definitely and not ten. that would be if it was on its side with its <laughs> wings open. <laughs> Kind of walking on one wing. And really stretching, like, on its tiptoes, but for owls. And I'll be honest with you, folks. This thing just looks like a big owl. Okay. You know, it doesn't match the description doesn't given by... a big red face. No, it doesn't seem to glow in the night sky. Got it. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm-hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. But what do the naysayers make of the sulfur, make of the uh, broken and singed branches, make of a a bunch of the different factors in this case? When I looked at the explanation, the only things that were there on the internet were meteorite, plane beacon, owl. Wow. That was the answer. And then in the video, they said mass delusion as well. Uh, Yeah. Again, it's such a cop-out in so many of the stories we cover um the, the scientists very rudely go we have interviewed everyone involved and established all the different possibilities and we have concluded that they're lying everyone's <laughs> yeah. lying which granted is probably sometimes true but i don't know damn i mean we have a lot of witnesses here i mean eugene is a what did i say uh, he's a national, <laughs> national guard. guard he guards a nation. A nation. Jesus. I don't Normally know. armies do that. And yeah. yet. But it's just this one man. I and assume his dog. he's like a SEAL Team 6 operator. So Granted, he should have possibly handled himself better in the face of an enemy. I think you said he just went... And, and ran. And dropped his uh, flashlight. Left, I think he actually kids pushed it. some of the kids as he ran, thinking that the beast would eat them first and yeah. give him more time. He actually grabbed the dog by the leash and hurled it backwards as a distraction tactic. Um, he's not hes not a brave man, but he is... He turned to the kids and said, Your mom has the most flesh. <laughs> Let him eat her first. We'll survive. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of different witnesses all claiming that they saw the same thing. Rory, I gotta flip the script here. What You're the principal investigator. You've seen it from all angles. What are you thinking? This is a crazy story, guys. This is this is a weird one. I mean, the story in itself is pretty strange. A group of such diverse people all going out, seeing the same thing. That in itself is a case to investigate. But the fact that when they went to the station, the sheriff was already out investigating legends and rumors of a plane crash that others had seen that very night. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it could have been just a meteorite. But the fact that these events took place up in the mountains alongside the sightings of the meteorite, I don't know. It, it's very coincidental. There's not really a good explanation for, for any of this. I mean, sure, meteorite explains the disc. Pulsating red light explains the light. Owl, kind of, I guess, could be used to explain the monster. But what a mad coincidence that all of those things would have had to happen within this one night yeah you know one after another it's it's so bizarre and really a stretch to kind of force all those things together sometimes it's interesting to look at the timeline of these events and we've definitely covered cases around the 50s before right when the ufo kind of frenzy was setting in um, and we've definitely seen cases where they really latch on to the, the flying saucer and the gray. 
on the one hand, it's useful to think of this story in context and say, well, you know, maybe people were a little more primed for those close encounters of the third kind. You sure. Know, they're kind of expecting it a little bit. I mean, the kids, the first thing they said when they saw this thing fly across the sky was that's a ufo yeah <laughs> they were pretty ready to to call it like they saw it yeah which uh, doesn't shine a good light on the kids granted yeah but as you say we do have some adult witnesses and anytime you have a, a a story like this where project blue book are getting involved project blue book folks they are the dirtiest mib bastards <laughs> around that's like saying there's a sport being played and Tom Brady's around. Yeah. It's probably a football game. <laughs> okay. If there's if there if there's a uh, a national emergency and Project Blue Booker showing up, there's aliens hopping about right. and hovering with their little claw hands. But look, we're just going back and forward and beating around the bush here. We are. It's time to come down on a decision. Kit based on the facts that I have provided for you tonight, from both sides of the argument, both sides of the potato, where's your head at? What are you thinking? Yeah, like you say, we're going way back and forth here. We're beating around the goddamn bush. We've seen all the evidence. We've seen all we need to see, said all we need to say. Let's come down on our conclusions on three. Okay, so like one, two, three, bam. Fine. Or one, two, bam. The first one. The first one. No. So go like one. Uh, so the first one. So one, two, three, go. Go. So on go. <laughs> on go. Right. Okay. Not three. No. Right. Okay. I'm just nervous and I don't want to get it wrong because <laughs> you're like one, two, three. I don't know. <laughs> one, no, yes, four. <laughs> okay. We can do this. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready? Ready. <clears throat> Wait. And folks. We're, we're, so we're going up. <laughs> yeah sorry this is weird to go up we okay, should go down fine we'll go down two and folks one jesus sorry. christ man are we going down to one we're going down to one and then saying it on go so we're going down two one go or the word this is stressing me out we're gonna go three two one go okay and but we don't say go Granted, we say the word we say uh, whether we're a yes or we're not no. Not going three, two, one, go word. No, we're okay. going three, two, one word. Okay, okay. And folks at home, I want I want y'all to listen to this and count on with us and you say what you think. Granted, it won't have any bearing yeah. on the result of this podcast, but yeah. you will know your own truth. We don't care where you are. You we don't care if you're on the bus. We don't care if you're a at work at your aunt's funeral you need to just scream it out loud and the universe will hear you we need to scare this son of a bitch off the earth back up into his little red craft (laughs) so you think he's pretty real then (laughs) i'm gonna stop talking because i feel like i gave away my answer (laughs) (laughs) you need to shout your answer out loud and frankly get it over with because these guys are real and they are on earth we don't have time to cut down folks (laughs) you know what the conclusions grab a weapon and meet me in flatwoods <laughs> these guys have had a 70 year head start and we're already deciding whether they're real or not <laughs> so forget the conclusions it's a yes all right um all right we'll do the countdown <laughs> <laughs> okay three, three two, two one yes that's a double that's yes folks. here this is it Look, I I flip-flopped on this story back and forth. You know, I'm a big fan of the alien stories. We've had a ton of cryptid stories, but without that, you know, first-hand testimonies, police chiefs actually being out investigating plane crashes. I mean, we haven't seen a case like this since frickin' Roswell, folks. Plus getting the Project Blue Book co-signed that they thought there was something fishy going on. Yeah, the, the seal of approval from P.B. Wait... P, P, B, B. (laughs) That was a lot less sexy than I thought it was going to sound. Getting their approval means everything. And it turns this case paranormal. There you have it, folks. A double yes. We finally delivered. God, how long has it been? Uh, It hasn't been that long since our... I don't remember what the last one was. We said some shit was paranormal a few weeks back. Oh, God, uh, really? But yeah, it, it comes in fits and starts for sure. It does. And don't say we don't give you guys any yeses. All right. 
because this was the drop before the drought. Where <laughs> it's going to be hard nose till Christmas till we actually review Santa being a goblin and say yes this time. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. And I'm sorry it took us so long to get to the Flatwoods Monster. Hopefully there's not a dozen other cases out there like this one that we've simply looked over. And if we have, email us your suggestions at thisparanormallifepodcast at gmail.com. Usually this is where uh, we would plug the Facebook group and the Patreon. But for a little change, we're going to swap it up this month. If you guys do enjoy the podcast, why not leave us a review over on iTunes? I think it's been like 100 episodes since we uh, mentioned iTunes. Yeah, we were pretty hot on it in the beginning. Um, but yeah, we kind of dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, we did. And I mean, reviews have been fantastic so far. But if you do enjoy the podcast, feel free to hop on over. Give us a couple of those stars because we're going to make a galaxy, baby. It's been, yeah, it's been quite exciting over the last year. We've kind of taken for granted that the podcast has reached a lot more people internationally and that's pretty much exclusively through the podcast being on itunes yeah and the more you guys review it the more people see it on itunes so it's incredibly beneficial for us and for the podcast to grow and new people to come to the commune and join the facebook group so um if you want a cool free way of supporting the podcast that's the way to do it couldn't have said it better myself but I will try. Okay. Get your asses wow. out of your Aggressive. out of your bed and what? turn up. That's all I'll say. All right. That was worse, wasn't it? A little. It wasn't as clear. It was a little aggressive. It wasn't as clear. I, did, I forgot to mention iTunes and the, Altogether. And the, and the ratings. Um, you just called them lazy, I think. Yeah. That. You know what? We'll we'll cut that one. We'll stick with yours. I think you did actually delivered a little <laughs> you better. You cut mine. <laughs> yours and just we don't mention itunes the end of the podcast is just me going get your asses out of bed and turn up <laughs> and, and then turn up three seconds later the outro music fades in <laughs> another seamless ending for the pod thank you so much for everyone that supports us on patreon and keeps the show going if you do support us as you know we love to give you a shout out right here at the end of the podcast so special thank you to james heath James Heath lives off beef uh, of all kinds. He is a beef farmer. He... There's more kinds than one? <laughs> what he... other beef kinds are there? Well, you see, he raises and eats beef somewhat as his living and to sustain his body. But at the same time, he starts beefs endlessly and right. trains as a mixed martial arts fighter uh, and just whoops ass six nights a week. Oh, my God. So... He's just a beef-filled life, really. He's for a beef. beefy guy. <laughs> um, we don't really want that level of violence in the commune, yeah. Um, but we do need the food, and we will take your uh, deadly, deadly hand-to-hand combat skills. So don't be con- confused when we say we want beef. Yeah. Don't fight us. We no, want no, no. the beef. We're weak. We don't want that kind of beef. Thank you also to Luis Bajorquez. Luis is actually an international thief, probably killer. What? But at the scene of every crime, he leaves a, a cute little note that says, Lewis didn't do this. So and that kind of... That kind of... They kind of believe him because he's got such a charming little face. How could they? He's at the scene. He has a calling card at the scene of every crime. Yeah, but he said he didn't do it. And I, for one, believe him. That's not how crime works, surely. Well, you know, it's... At least, you know, in a world of suspects, they know Lewis didn't do it. No, they don't. <laughs> In fact, they have probable evidence that he did all of it. Look, you said all, murders? All I'm saying is... Killer? All I'm saying is I didn't see a note from you at the scene of the crime. Hold on. What, what's happening here? All I'm saying is I think Kit did it. So you're going down, buddy. You handcuffed me to the same radiator you're handcuffed to? <laughs> what? You're being arrested for spray painting Lewis outside my house. You son of a bitch. Lewis, I don't know how you do it. Lewis, I don't know how you do this, but uh, looks like I'm going to jail under your name, buddy, so uh, I got to clap that up. That's amazing. Thanks also to Andrew Campion. Andrew Campion is a born champion of men, of beasts, of fish, but of course, you know what happens if you're a champion in the commune. You're a peasant, buddy. Uh-oh. You're down on the floors, licking boots, <laughs> kissing the ground that we walk on. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. 
You can be the champion of bugs for the time being. But unfortunately, bugs in the commune are our gods. Because they are the lowest form and everything is flipped. Um, so if you dare even step foot on one ant, Andrew, you will find yourself uh, on trial as a god killer. <laughs> so good luck, buddy. So combative. Thanks also to Austin. Austin and me actually go way back. He, oh. he gave us one of our first bank loans to start the Paranormal Commune. Wow. I, I said I needed half a million dollars to start A. And he he went, said, I... He went, shh, say no more, brother. And just passed, not even a form, he passed the money across the desk. Yeah. He, he was fired later that evening. Yeah. I think, because he was he was giving it out money to, to everyone, essentially, that came. Yeah. But he was a good man, and we wouldn't be here without his generosity. The neurologist says something snapped in his brain that day. Something went very wrong. Unfortunately, it cost him everything. <laughs> but... The podcast is here today because of that. So thank you. <laughs> it causes him to answer, say no more, brother, to every question. <laughs> Whenever you're an investment banker is a terrible thing. Terrible misfortune. <laughs> it's like if, if you're a Subway sandwich artist, that's a fine thing to sure. go wrong in your brain. Can I have some cheese? Say no more, brother. Can I have a little bit of ham? Say no more, brother. That's fine. But a high stakes investment banker should not be handing out straight up cash. No, no, no. Thanks also to Pinky Dawacker. If it isn't Stinky Pinky, very much like the Flatwoods monster, it is just, you know, eye watering sulfur stench. Really? Anytime you're around him. Dogs refuse to go near him. Local sheriffs will just fire in his general direction. There's, he's basically a paranormal cryptid at this point. We don't know how he smells like sulfur. I don't know how a human body can be that volcanic. Wherever he walks, a flaming trail goes through the sky. Yeah, people say it's a comet, but we have our suspicions. I guess don't come to the commune. Please don't. Ideally. Please, please don't. Thanks also to Ryan Bergeron. Well, if it ain't Bergeron Rise, <laughs> this dude is one happy meal. He, he's always got a toy on him. Sure. He's always carrying a little pack of fries. Sure. He's the whole package. And he's always looking like a snack. <laughs> yeah. Also, he'll eventually kill us all. Oh. Yeah, he's really bad for you, just being around. Oh. In the same way that, like, if you ate McDonald's every day, you would slowly die. Right. If you hang around with Ryan every day, you will die. Why? The peer pressure. Oh. Of just, he wants you to do everything. Steal, drugs. Wingsuit, dive. All of it. Sometimes wingsuit dive on drugs to go through a window and steal something. The, The big three... You must be very persuasive. Thanks also to Molly McElligot. Me and Molly actually go way back. Uh, after we had built the commune and we were looking for a way to defend ourselves, I approached the US military with a proposal which was essentially giving us half of their weapons. Right. Uh, so I had a meeting with Molly. Little did I know that Molly had uh, recently been exposed to the same brain virus that Austin had been exposed to. So when I asked for the weapons, I mean, I barely made it in the front door before she said, Shh, say no more, brother. And it handed over the launch codes <laughs> for pretty much the entire nuclear arsenal of the U.S. That is so crazy. We didn't mention that it was a brain virus before, but that's what it was. <laughs> And the eagle-eyed listener will notice that the only uh, thing linking these two is Rory. So, um, (laughs) you do say brother a lot. I don't know if you have this virus. Say no more, brother. Okay. Thanks also to Alfie Longville. Alfie and I actually go way back. Really? When I needed an ice machine for the paranormal commune, I set up a meeting with Alfie. And... After sharing a milkshake in a local diner, they soon contracted the brain virus that I had buried deep inside myself. Of course. You said you had buried? Yeah. I, what, deliberately? I bought it on the dark web, sure. Ah. And it's highly contagious. Why are you, why are you telling these stories as if you didn't know what was going to happen? Say no more, brother. Okay. Just long story, the story. Long story short, 
the Paranormal Commune is basically like those places you see at Christmas markets. It's entirely made of ice. It's the ice hotel from James Bond. It is, of course. (laughs) Thanks also to PJ. If it isn't Lord PJ himself, inventor of the pajama. Wow, pretty insane stuff. How did that come about? Uh, PJ actually lived an extremely hard life. He basically had the worst childhood. He was in pretty much every war within his lifetime. And uh, upon retirement, he just said, I want to get comfy. Right. And people were like, oh, sure, you know, maybe have a nap, take a lie down, here's a blanket, he's like, no, come This is back when people used to sleep in their chain mail, folks. Yeah, exactly. Straight in the armor, no one got changed. He dedicated the rest of his life to designing the uh, comfiest, most sleepy and snug garments to ever exist, walk the face of the earth. Which at the time was just a burlap sack. Yeah. But goddamn, was it an improvement on the chain mail. <laughs> Thanks also to Otara Kiriella. If it isn't Otara... Born and raised in the Sahara. No. From birth to adulthood. (laughs) Sure. They lived in the Sahara. Hot. Eating sand. Drinking sand. It's Otara by any chance? Bathing in sand. Okay. Otara, some kind of lizard or... Nope. Half human, half lizard. So I guess you... Yeah, yeah, sure, actually. Yeah, half lizard, half human. But... The only problem is they've been in the Sahara for so long, they can't leave to go to the outside world. Because water's too wet for them. Hard hard ground is like knives. They've lived in sand their whole lives. It's like prison. They can't make it in the outside world. Sure. They can only live in the Sahara and beaches. <laughs> and even the water scares them, so no beaches. Or maybe no a play park sand pit at a stretch. In a very hot country? Sure, yes. What a life. I'm so glad you managed to find our podcast out there. <laughs> Thanks, lastly, but not leastly, to Dusty Chaffin. Dusty Chaffin has just about, it's similar to Otara and the Sahara, just about the driest name of anyone on planet Earth. Uh, Dusty Chaffin? That's insane. Dusty spent his life from birth to adulthood in dust. Eating Whoa. dust, drinking dust, any dust-related activities, Dusty's there, soaking it all in. The one time we met Dusty, we were like, hey, Dusty, nice to meet you. And he, he said, shh, say no more, brother. We were like, we don't want... We don't want any dust. Anything you have to offer. How did you get the virus? Horny <laughs> <laughs> people, I want to get the virus, get it. Yeah, but... Now the commune's full of dust as well. So thank you, Dusty, and thank you to everyone that we shouted out. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. A double yes, finally. Very happy to give it to you guys. Hopefully next week we'll be back with another double yes. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.